Welcome to the Divorced and Happy Podcast, where we discuss all things act two. I'm your host, Sadie Marie. Feeling sexy is definitely a confidence boost, as is feeling financially secure. I mean, we make our own money, ladies, and how we manage it is definitely our business. My guest, financial advisor Paige Langamo, couldn't agree more and is passionate about helping women after divorce feel financially confident. Well, Paige, it is so fantastic to have you here today talking about financial empowerment. Thank you. Happy Women's History Month. Yes, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. I think this is such an important topic for women in general, but also for women who have gone through a divorce because it's such a vulnerable, financially vulnerable time. And so I'm just excited to have this conversation and we're going to work our lady business today. We're going to make uh, financial freedom, financial literacy, our lady business today. So talk to me a little bit about your story around, I know you're very passionate about this topic, empowering people in general who are going through a divorce or who have been through a divorce with their financial independence. But I'd want to hear in your own words, what brought that about? Sure. Well, I've been in this line of business for Gosh, now it's been 25 years. I used to always say 20 years and now... <laughs> Add five more. Add five more. That's right. Uh, my dad was in this line of work. And so that's what introduced me to it. I had a mother who didn't work outside the home. My parents dated in high school. She stayed back and worked uh, while he went to college. And as soon as he graduated college, they got married and um, have, are still married. It's been like 57, 58 years. So that's incredible. That is incredible. It is incredible. So I had always expected I would have a marriage like theirs. However, a couple years into the marriage, we split up. Into your own marriage? Into my own marriage, yes. And when that happened, the children were two and just turned four, so very young. Um, Prior to that, and, and still, I had been in the financial advisor role not necessarily focusing on women, but just on families and uh, retirement, insurance, just just the basics. Financially, things were going well. We had an upper bracket house and a golf course, two incomes. But my divorce happened right during the financial meltdown, the financial crisis. So it was a... 2007, 2008? Yeah, 2007, 8, 9, exactly. The divorce process for me started in 2007 and finalized in 2009. Um, so it was a long time, uh, attorneys and, you know, just just all that, all that stuff that we go through. And the kids were young and the financial crisis ended up that our house was foreclosed on. You know, at that point I was doing, I thought very well was saving money and retirement, but through this process had to use a lot of that. And so it really came out of my divorce uh, financially, emotionally, psychologically, Depleted. Depleted. Mm -hmm. I was just depleted. Mm -hmm. And so at that point had to rebuild. So I was very thankful that I had an education, thankful that I had a career, that I had a flexible career and just, you know, put one foot in front of the other and started rebuilding. And that's been now, you know, 12, 13 years ago. So fast forward now, uh, my daughter's almost an adult. My son is 16 and driving and I've been remarried for five and a half years. So it sounds like you had some skills, though, that other women, like I don't have, I didn't have any type of knowledge around financial investment right. or being financial really literate during my divorce. So you had some foundation to work with. Right. So I had some foundation and it still was financially 
emotionally depleting. So I've always had this idea since that happened that I really wanted to focus on and create a niche working with women. Well, not just women, people, but especially women who are divorced or have experienced loss in in my line of work, that's also included people who are widowed or have a spouse that passes away or a partner that passes away. Because I do think there's a certain empathy that unless you've gone through that, it's really difficult to relate to what your client or your friend is dealing with. Well, it's a unique type of death. Absolutely. Divorce is a unique type of death that yes. you don't fully understand unless you experience it. Correct. I mean, some people say it's harder than processing a death because, you know, the finality is not there if you're co-parenting. Right. Um, you know, a, a lot of these marriages end and there's one person who wants it to end, the other maybe doesn't want it to end. You have children. And so there are, I mean, besides the financial full of fallout, just so many other factors. And so I really wanted to focus on helping women. Uh, my kids were still quite young, driving them to a bunch of activities all the time. And so I waited a little bit, but then I pursued my certified divorce financial analyst designation and then launched my consulting business, which specifically focuses on helping women pre-divorce and post-divorce. Because I feel if you don't have a good divorce decree, if you're not smart about it, if you don't know the loopholes, then you can get in trouble later. I have so many calls from people post-divorce saying, this is supposed to happen. That's supposed to happen. It's not happening. What can I do? And I mean, and really, because of the way the decree was written originally, the only option is unless you and the ex-spouse come to an understanding is going back to court. Right. Which is expensive. Which is expensive and then sets you back again, financially, emotionally, all this that we've just been Nobody wants to go back to court after a divorce. Right. And so that's been my focus the last couple of years is really helping women going through the divorce, post-divorce with their finances and you know, how to move forward. And I think a lot of my clients have seen me and saw where I was at, saw where I was at pre-divorce, sort of after divorce, and then have, have rebuilt, tried to rebuild my life financially and all the other aspects of it. And so this is really, I think, hit, a, hit the spot with, with people and is a niche that's underserved. So I'm excited to have you here for many reasons, and I know we're going to talk more about your thoughts on how women can be more financially empowered, feel more financially free. But let's talk a little bit. It is Women's History Month, so let's deep dive a little bit into the history of women around money. I mean, I know as a a girl, I was raised to be mindful of money, meaning be frugal, be thoughtful about how you spend your money. I was also, you know, encouraged to have a checkbook and a savings account and have a credit card and be responsible with your credit card. But that was about it. Sure. That was about what I was given in the the realm of here's how to handle money. So I know that I am, I feel like I'm way behind. (laughs) I think after my divorce, I just didn't have the bandwidth emotionally to think more about money beyond the day-to-day and budgeting. And now two years out of my divorce, I'm much more, okay. It's time. Right, right. (laughs) So I'd like to hear just what your thoughts are around, you know, the history around women and finances. And and, and I wonder as a woman for you, do you feel it takes people a little more time to trust you as a woman to manage their money or? Right. An interesting question. I think experience helps. So now after 25 years. You have 25 years. Absolutely. So that's, that's a, but I do find, I do think women are more comfortable working with me. I have especially younger, you know, younger couples and and so forth. 
But I do think that goes back a little bit to a lot of times the men control the money and the financial situation. If that's changing these days, I would say half of my good friends work outside the home. A number of those are the breadwinners and half don't work outside the home. But I will say most of them have... And you and I are more Gen X. Yes. Right. Yes, right. right. And, Raised by boomers. Yep. And, and most of my friends though, do have skills and education where they, they could and they've just chosen not to or, or gave up their career. But if you think back, I think about my parents and they're in there now mid-70s. And like we, I think I mentioned, my mom didn't go to college. She didn't go to any sort of trade school. The expectation was I'm going to wait for, for my boyfriend who said we're going to get married. And they did. And you know, then my dad was the breadwinner, the sole provider. Not that my mom didn't contribute in numerous, maybe even more important ways to the family. Absolutely. She and, just wasn't compensated the way that your dad was. Right. Correct. And they've always had a very good relationship around money and have been open with each other. However, I don't think most people in their 40s, 50s probably had, I think a lot of people may have had mothers who didn't work outside the home, maybe didn't go to college you know, when they had kids, took time off. And so if you think about that, you know, also you think about now with social media, things are much more open and people talk and share and but going much back. Much more transparent. Yes. 30, 40 years, it was all very secretive. and yeah, you know, Taboo almost. You know, and money and sex are the two hardest topics to talk about. And if you think about the generation before, well, maybe not the generation, but our parents and people 20 years older than us even, I mean, they just didn't talk about it know, what you, what you made and how the money and, I mean, it just wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't raised to be sex positive either. Right. Right. Exactly. So you need to do a podcast about that. <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> so I, I, I think that it's changing. Like I said, more women now are working and uh, have the funds to invest for themselves and maybe had some classes in college about it. But still, it's a male-dominated field. I even look at co-workers of mine, colleagues of mine, most of them are men. The women who do make it in this business and are around 10, 15, 20 years tend to be very successful, but it's still a male-dominated profession. So as far as do women or men trust me more, I, I, I feel that, I mean, both trust me, and I think part of that's experience, right, and just being around for so long. But I, I do find people that have gone through a loss. I have a lot of clients in their 70s, 80s that have lost a spouse, and they they really feel comfortable with me and then people who are going through a, a loss such as a divorce as well. I had another guest back in January. We talked about financial beginnings, Melissa Paul, and we talked about how money is connected to power mm -hmm. and how historically men have had power. power yes. And so now that women are more independent, given a lot more flexibility around career, we now have more of that quote power as sure. well. And so when it comes to women who are going through a divorce, I mean, it, it is a, such a layered experience and it isn't really an empowering time per se. Maybe after the fact, you, sure. you know, I felt more empowered after my divorce, but it's a real vulnerable time. Absolutely. And so I would love to hear from you today, how during your own personal journey and when you talk to women who are going through or, or have been through a divorce, how are you encouraging them to be financially more powerful, financially more independent, have that confidence beyond focusing on budget. Right. Well, a, a couple things. I think if, if you're if you're not confident and it's, this isn't your forte, maybe you've had a four hundred one k and you throw some money into it at work and that's all you know. You know, I first 
piece of advice I would have is to seek help, to seek help from a professional. I mean, think about it. We don't cut our own hair. Right. Uh, some of us give ourselves a pedicure, but most of us don't, right? And so- We go see, to a doctor. Go to a doctor, absolutely. And I'm going to talk about that because, you know, the internet is, is so full of information and it's so wonderful in so many ways, but- when you're dealing with your finances and how to invest in taxes and what kind of account to set up, you really need to talk to a professional. Because one thing about your situation, maybe you're self-employed instead of working for you know, a company, so you get a different kind of tax form, or your income last year went up, and you know, you're getting alimony, so how does that count? And you might be blocked out from certain investments. And there are just a, there's just a lot of detail that on the internet, I don't think you can get a full scope. But I think I think about it, I mean, I know I've had a headache before and it's lingered in the front part of my head and I go to WebMD or some site and, I mean, 10 minutes later, I feel like I have some rare, you yeah, know. Yeah, you could go kind of down the rabbit hole on the internet, yeah. right? I right. Some, rare, some rare fungi growing in my brain or something because, you know, you, you just read all this. So much information. So much information. So it's a double-edged sword. So my first piece of advice would really be to talk to a professional. Any professional that is credible and has been around will have a consultation with you. And we'll talk with you. You know, some people you might talk with might say, look, unless you have half a million dollars to invest, I don't work with you. Okay, great. Then then you're not my person. Or maybe you are my person, right, depending on your situation. But I think you have to find someone you're comfortable with. So how do you find someone? I mean, the, the best source is a referral, right? But again, sometimes we don't want to talk about money and our business with friends and family. So that's where the internet can be helpful. You can find names, people in your area. Um, again, though, I think you can get referrals and, and do some research. And I would interview or have consultations with a couple different people and find out how they operate, how you feel with them. Because I feel after 25 years, yes, I know about taxes. Yes, I know about investments. But at the end of the day, it's about a relationship. You, know, you have to feel comfortable because if you're helping a client and they're not telling you their full situation or, or embarrassed, I mean, you really can't fully help them. And so Number one is trying to find somebody that you feel comfortable with. And again, anyone who's credible should talk to you on the phone, have a consultation, you know, however it works these days with, with COVID. And that should be step one. So I can't encourage that enough, especially if you're starting out. And, you know, you should be able to feel comfortable talking about your situation because look at after you go through a divorce and if you've gone through it, you probably know this, you probably have some debt. You might have some credit cards. You might have had to deplete accounts. You you, know, you might not be proud of where you're at, but this is where you're at and you have to start moving forward again. I think also, um, if you could enlighten our listeners, I think sometimes the hesitation around contacting a financial advisor is, is your own fees. How does that work? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Everyone's a little bit different. So personally, for me, I mean, a consultation, meeting with someone, there's never a charge. If we decide to work together, depending on the the situation, I charge um, an advisory fee, which is just a percentage of assets that comes out of the account automatically every month. So if the account increases because we're earning interest and the stock market's doing well, that's great. But if we have a down period and the stock market's going down, then the fee is adjusted. So it might be a 1% fee, right? So if someone would invest 100000 in assets, $1,000 a year is automatically removed from their account and your broker dealer who provides an 800 number, mails your statements, 
so forth gets part of that fee and then me as the advisor gets part of that fee. So that's how I work. Other people will do things differently. Sometimes people charge an upfront commission. Sometimes people charge other fees. So that's a that's a very good question and something you should talk about. I believe someone who's been experienced and has a number of clients actually charges or sh- should charge lower fees because, you know, you have an abundance of clients and assets. And I made a commitment a couple of years ago that I will never lose a client because of fees because I have flexibility. And so I tend to go to the lower side. And that's also been very positive for me as it's led to a lot of new referrals and, and assets coming over because of the transparency. Is in the financial wor- world, the fees can be very confusing and hidden. And so I think to ask those questions and have a, a frank conversation is a must before you would hire someone. And it's a two-way street. There might be somebody I don't feel comfortable working with. And so it's a two-way street as far as the comfort and the beginning of the relationship. So financial doctors are important. Yes. Just like medical doctors and dentists. Yes. Okay. What about, what other advice would you have for the ladies listening? Mm-hmm. So I believe that there's this concept called delayed gratification. You're probably familiar with this. I, I, I've heard it once or twice. Yes. Yes. And the I, human, human condition. I think we all want things to happen quickly. And I think after a divorce, um, especially if, you know, I was in this, this class a few weeks ago and they were talking about, you know, usually there's a dumper and a dumpy. Now, sometimes it's mutual. Sometimes it's amicable. And even in those situations, you come out scarred to some degree. Right. And especially if there are kids involved. Right. I mean, there's just some turmoil involved, even if everyone agrees that this is better in the long run. So after a divorce, I think you can feel down on yourself. Typically, women are in a worse position financially. You know, when you have a child, which not everyone does, but a lot of women who are married have children. I mean, you are the one who has to take off for pregnancy and childbirth and if you're nursing in the middle of the night. So even if you don't want it to be that way, I feel our careers suffer a little bit. I would agree with that. Right. Not that your spouse or partner isn't very involved and, and wonderful. And not that you're even resentful about it. It's no. just a matter of fact. It's just it's just biological. Correct. And so, I, you know, I think we get behind. So when you get divorced, especially like I was saying, if you're not the one who um, initiated it, or even if you are, I mean, you come out in a usually less favorable financial position. You know, we all know women don't make as much as men for the same careers to start. And so then let's say you've backed off and you're working half time and this and that, and a lot of families make these choices. And I think you can feel really um, down on yourself and you can feel badly about yourself. And I think you can be maybe a little embarrassed. And then the game starts with, well, you know, where am I going to live? And where does my partner, ex-partner live? And so I think what happens is I I talk to a lot of people and there's this, you know, keeping up with the Joneses mentality. And everyone will say, I'm not doing that. But to a degree you are and the credit cards get charged up and maybe the house that you're buying or renting is a little out of your your zone. And I think though, everyone wants to have an appearance of doing okay and being successful. And, uh, you know, again, so I think this, I, this concept of delayed gratification is, is, is really important because I think the biggest things to financial success, especially after divorce, number one is you have to have an emergency reserve. 
Okay. Yes, I've read that a lot. Yeah. That doesn't involve a financial advisor even. I mean, that's just at the bank, you know, and people say how much? Well, you know, with COVID these days and the job market not being what it was, I say at least six months. So that can take a long time to build up. You know, what happens is if you don't have that, and then your tires go bad and you have to replace them, well, that's $1,000. Or there's a, a medical bill for yourself or your child that you have to pay $800 out of pocket because it's not covered or your homeowner's insurance goes up. So then you start using the credit card, and, you know, things like that. Or you get behind on other bills. And so the, the most important piece of advice I can give to anyone, but especially post-divorce, is you have to have a healthy emergency reserve. And that takes time. And that takes time. Years, maybe. Well, and that takes a concerted effort. Absolutely. Right. That is not buying the, the purse that maybe looks great when you're walking through the store, right? That's foregoing the vacation with friends that you really know maybe you can't afford. And it's so hard because your mental health is saying, I should go. This is good for me. I should do it. But then you're saying afterwards, my goodness, you know, that was $4,000 that I hadn't budgeted or whatever the case may be. And so it's, it's a really hard balance between, you know, being healthy mentally and not depriving yourself, but yet making some tough financial decisions. I mean, you might not be in the same sort of house you were in, and that can be difficult, especially if you have kids. But I think also it's important to remember, I, you know, one note that I love to give on this show is that you were brave enough to take a step to make your life happier and allowing yourself like some joy in that and that that joy can be more internal. I think that we externalize our happiness around things. And one thing I've learned since my divorce is that my happiness really is internal. Yes. It's who it's how I think about myself. Mm-hmm. It's who I surround myself with. So just, you know, it's nice to have the things, but I sure like being happier better. Right. And money <laughs> and money doesn't buy happiness. No, no. And, you know, study after studies ha- has been done. And, you know, people that have millions of dollars, I mean, you always spend what you make, period, right? Almost everyone spends what they make. I mean, all of a sudden you get a raise, you get a different job. And so you get a cabin and then you get a boat and then you upgrade your boat. And a lot of people, I mean, they just keep buying and spending and, um, and that's okay. I mean, if you're saving and working and stay married and keep your jobs and everything's ideal, but after a divorce, I mean, I just think you need to use this concept of delayed gratification and just realize there, you know, may, maybe you aren't going to have the BMW. Maybe you need to drive the Toyota for a while and, and that's great. Maybe you'll never have the BMW. Oh, right. <laughs> exactly. I drive a very nice Subaru. Um, and those are very safe they and reliable. Are. Has all my stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think, you know, an investing can be emotional, right? So when the market, the stock market is going down and your accounts may be losing money, you might panic and say, this is a time I need to, to, to stop adding or take my money out. And, you know, when it, I mean, I can't tell you when the market's sky high, people come out of the work, oh, this, this money I've been setting aside, let's invest it now. So it's exact opposite of what it should be to sort of maximize your growth. But again, working with a professional can help you. And there are so many different types of accounts and products. And is a Roth IRA best for me? And a regular IRA. And, you know, I talk to people, they don't really even know what those terms mean uh, and how the taxes work and how the contributions work and the limits and when you can access them without penalty and college accounts. 
And that's where the internet can be dangerous with this because you can get some good information, but you really need to talk to someone because again, one detail about your situation can make a difference. And then, you know, another thing that happens when you get divorced and if you have kids is the normal tendency would be, well, if I pass away, I want everything to go to my kids, right? A lot of people are conditioned to think that way. Yeah, yes. which, is, which is fine. And maybe it doesn't, or maybe you're recoupled and it goes to your new partner or spouse. But, you know, children cannot inherit money outright. And so that creates another kind of slew of problems because if, if you have that, then it's kind of a court process to get the money to them. Well, if they're 12, then they can't actually take receipt of the money. And so then your ex-partner likely is controlling the money, which again, may be fine or maybe is what you wouldn't want because they're bad with money or you're not amicable or whatever the situation is. And so I, I try to help people again with, you know, going to just a step beyond investing. If you're in that situation where you need to talk with a professional who can help you um, set up your beneficiaries correctly and talk about life insurance and you know, those sorts of topics that maybe aren't applicable to somebody not in that situation. So what I'm hearing is, Invest into someone who's professional that can give you some insight and advice and also have that emergency fund. Yes. And be patient with the process. Love yourself enough to, to be okay with not having all the things when you have your independence back in, right. in a safe home and, you know, that getting up in the morning, you know, kind of more what your day is going to be like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for me, after my divorce, like the simple things brought me so much satisfaction. And two years out, I continue to find that satisfaction. I mean, I'm a, I'm a business owner. And so COVID definitely impact, has impacted my livelihood. Right. But I have my health. Right. I have my healthy children, my beautiful children. I have a support system. I have a home that I love. Like there's just layers that I've learned. Like, okay, ha- I have all these things. And I think going through a divorce gave me that perspective. Yes. And I don't think you necessarily have that perspective. of Everything prior to that was about where are we going and what are we buying and who are we hanging out with tonight? And what know, restaurant are we going to what eat restaurant, at? Yes. And, and all that stuff can be fine and important. Absolutely. So that, you know, there, it's not a, a negative on that. No, not at all. But, but you're right. When it, all of a sudden you're saying, um, how am I going to buy a new place to live in? And I mean, like really, what are the, how's this going to work? What's our house going to sell for? Can I keep the house and can I afford it? And all, you know, these are just our big decisions, which leads me to, again, so you need a financial, financial professional, you know, a lot of people going through a divorce find a therapist helpful because, you know, if you're not healthy, like we were just talking about internally, emotionally, you really can't, I think, be a, a great parent. And certainly you're not going to make great investment decisions. Probably your work's going to suffer. And so, you know, one of the things I was going to talk about that I think is, it's not exactly about money, but certainly helped me. And I've talked with other people clients about this is finding kind of your hobby or your passion post-divorce. So, I mean, a lot of us have kids. We love our kids. Great. I mean, they grow up and, and go off and I'm, <laughs> I'm there, right? And you have a different sort of relationship when it, it changes, which is wonderful. And a lot of us have a career and our, our passion can be in our career, but I, I feel like we need something that's just for ourselves. I agree. It's not maybe about making money like your career is, right? And so, it's not even maybe attached to outcomes. No, no. And, you know, and what is that? And I think that's part of the soul searching you do when you go through the divorce process because 
you know, when a when a marriage or a partnership breaks up, I mean, you can look back and I mean, both people are to blame, right? I don't think anyone's necessarily blameless, and so it's a this time of self reflection. What could I have done differently, and what do I want to bring differently to my next relationship, and how do I want to parent at this point? And and I think finding some sort of passion or hobby is is can be life changing. I mean, when I got divorced, I was somewhat overweight, sluggish. I mean, I had two children within a year and a half. Um, you know, I think in that time frame, we don't take care of ourselves, right? Especially, especially if you're working outside the home and, you know, getting up in the middle of the night. And I think we can... Yeah, we lose ourselves. We lose ourselves, absolutely. And probably what our spouse sort of fell in love with initially goes away a little bit, right? Because we do, we do lose ourselves. And so I started running. I didn't plan to start running, but it just, I was so stressed out again, going through this divorce during the financial crisis and it was sort of prolonged. Um, and the kids were so young. I started running and, you know, I, I never had been a runner and couldn't run more than a mile. I mean, I was running six, eight miles a day. Wow. Yeah, the kids would Points go. Points to, to you. I will never be doing that, Paige. Right. But. <laughs> and you know what? I understand. People don't have right. time and people right. have bad knees. So it's something, you know, I, I worked with another. But it was self-care. It you was were doing self-care. something to, to care for yourself. It was cathartic for yes. me. And now, how many years later, 12, 13 years later, um, I still do it every day. I've done marathons. I've done races. And it's something, it's just, you know, my family says to me, now, Mom, go for a run. You know, just if it's a Saturday and we're busy trying to get out the door somewhere, Mom, even if it's just go for your run, right? They just know it's for me. It 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 was, um, you know, a kind of a spiritual experience. I do a lot of thinking, and I'm sure it's very powerful too powerful. to feel that strong and absolutely. And so, I mean, I always say it was good for my head, my heart, and my hips. <laughs> All three. And so, I mean, exercise might not be someone's thing. It might be yoga. It might be journaling. It might be. It might be starting a second business, uh, more of a volunteer business. You know, and, and it's what, and it's what is important to you, and kind of finding that inner passion because I, I think that leads to happiness. Because money does not lead to happiness. I think you need to be financially secure, right? Again, if there's an emergency, if you want to take a vacation once a year, to have a stable home. I mean, these things are important. You cannot be emotionally stable without without those foundations. But if you have a half a million dollars at retirement, two million at retirement, if you work till you're 60, 65, I mean, I mean, you know, these are things we're not sure what's what's going to be that far out, right? We tried to plan for it and work towards goals, but really happiness is internal. And I, I think you need to find a passion, something that sparks you to help the growth, especially post-divorce. And I think when you have that outlet and that passion, you have that confidence. Yes. And I know for me personally, the confidence I have now versus when I was married is significantly more. And it motivates me to love myself enough to have a financial advisor. Yes. It motivates me enough to continue doing things that are healthy for me as a human being. Right. And, and so I appreciate how you're 
connecting all the dots here because everything is interconnected. Mind, body, spirit is right all interconnected. And so if you have a healthy attitude about yourself, my own experiences, it's going to just overflow into many other things. You're going to want to make different choices financially. You're not going to need to buy the purse to feel happier per right. se. You can save the $30 into your future because right. you have an internal steadiness that you maybe didn't have before your divorce. Correct. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And so, you know, along with that, it might be starting a new business. It might be getting another degree. It might be getting another professional designation. So, I mean, all of that ties together. It doesn't have to be you decide to run a marathon, but it may be that, right? But it's, I think that's the self-confidence part is, is enormous. And I think if you have that, then even if your financial situation isn't where you want it to be, you can start taking the first step. So, I mean, there's the emergency Life is reserve. all about first steps. It is about first steps. Right. I mean, when I talk to you about being on a podcast, I've never been on a podcast. And you're I'm, doing just great, well, I'm sure. I'm sure if I was 10 <laughs> in, I, I would be much better, right? But doesn't matter. But it, you know, it, it's about taking a first step. And so I do think that self-confidence, because you just need to start. And again, so you need to get that, that emergency reserve foundation. You need to then get a plan if you have debt. And a lot of people are embarrassed about their credit card debt or that they don't own a house, they maybe they've had to file for bankruptcy, and and these are and these are just parts of life that you can work through and move on from. I mean, it's so difficult for me to say I had a house that got foreclosed on. You know, I always viewed that as a negative. Like, what kind of person mm-hmm. would let their house get foreclosed? Well, it didn't we didn't let it. It just a series of events led brought you to, to that place. Brought me to that place, right? And but you are bigger than that. You're bigger than your house yes. being foreclosed. Right, right. And it definitely didn't hold you back in life. Well, no. You but, moved but, beyond it. But yes, yeah, that, that but, still triggers some pain, it, it sounds It's like. still, but I think too, you know, again, there's social media now and people are more transparent. And I think sometimes talking about your experiences and then how you've moved on draws people in to trust you and well, want We've all failed yeah. at things. Well, sure. And I think that when you fail, you learn. I know I've learned a lot through my failures. Right, And right. I think we need to see that as just part of living Absolutely. So, yeah, those are some some tips I have. And it's how have you felt post-divorce getting back with an investment plan and a house? Well, I, I don't own a house. I, I rent. Okay. And for me, what I really am enjoying is that I know that if I, like we've been talking about, if I make certain steps, if I make certain choices, it will, it will get me to the next place. It's like, it's a progression. I mean, I've been a business owner, like you've been a business owner for almost 20 years. I didn't start where I am now. Correct. I mean, it took me sure. 20 years. Right. And when I was doing a little bit of research online before our conversation today, I was reading different articles, how women who've you know, maybe been divorced, they've been divorced five years, 10 years, are financially doing much better clearly than when they, you know, day one out of their divorce. Absolutely. So I think that it's just being patient with the process. Like you've been through a lot. You we went through a death. Absolutely. And, and now you're making strides and steps to put your life back together. Focus on how brave you are. Focus on all the things you're doing that are working. You know, I think sometimes we focus on, well, I didn't do this and I'm not doing this. And we take put too much focus on what isn't working, but look at all the things in your life now that are working for you, you know? And that's one thing that's given me a lot of encouragement is knowing that, okay, I'm maybe not financially where I want to be, but I'm making steps to get there. I'm having conversations that I wasn't having when I was married. I'm 
making different choices with how I spend money. I also love the the luxury of just having my own money to spend. I'm, and I, I, I appreciate how now I don't have to negotiate with someone on money. Right. I earn my money. I spend it how I know I should be spending it. That feels empowering to me. Right. I think also knowledge is powerful. Paige, before we say our goodbyes, I'd love to hear from you your opinion professionally and personally, what does it mean to be financially confident? Well, you know, confidence comes from within. Um, For me, I, you know, I went from feeling financially confident and having a great career to uh, post-divorce being financially, uh, I wasn't confident. I mean, I, I knew about investments, and, you know, asset allocation and, and the technical terms, but my life had been turned upside down. Um, and so, like we talked about, I, I worked hard to all these things we talked about, you know, not buy and do things that maybe I would have or would have liked and saying no to the kids on things and having a house that was more modest than I'd been living in and, you know, all, all these sorts of things to get back on track. And like we talked about, it's one step at a time. And it felt really great when I could pay all my bills, save money uh, on a monthly basis, have an emergency reserve, have a little extra to do some fun stuff for myself and the kids. Um, when I got back to where we could do that and, you know, the checkbook wasn't depleted before the next paycheck. And so it was just doing the basics and it, it felt great to like I mentioned before, be able to live on one income. I think when you get divorced, you're used to living on two incomes. You're going down to one income, and it's such an adjustment, and that's what throws people into the tailspin, right? Because you kind of need to retool your whole life and your expectations and your environment. And that's where that internal happiness means and that's, so much, what we talked yes, about that earlier. Yeah, absolutely. So finan- being financially confident for me was being able to you know, cover all the expenses I needed to cover and then do the investment part that I felt was important for me and um, be able to pay for the kids' activities I needed to be in and so, or, you know, wanted to be in and I wanted them to be in, you know, all those sorts of things and then have a little money left over at the end. And I think, you know, we talked about it before, you know, do you need to get remarried or want to? And, uh, you know, for me, I I think there are people who jump into relationships or maybe get remarried quickly because of the financial insecurity. And I I think there's a lot of confidence and you feel very powerful if you don't feel that's the case, right? That you get married because it's love, because it it struck you like, oh my gosh, I didn't expect this. It, It was, I absolutely wasn't looking for this, right? Those are the best stories when it just sort of happens and you get knocked off your feet and, and there's, you know, someone that you feel like you're a soulmate with. But I think if you don't have that and you're not looking for that and you're comfortable and you can and pay your bills, that creates a lot of confidence, um, a lot of power and um, a feeling of fulfillment that, you know, you're making it on your own. And especially if you have children, supporting your children. Um, and That's the path I'm steps. on. I want that for myself. Yeah, and you're yeah. on that path. And I am on that path. And 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 I, I really feel like, you know, loving myself so much that I'm doing that for myself. I don't need another human to do that for me. I'm going to do that for me. Right. And I think, 
when you're at that point, that's when people are probably most attracted to you, right? People aren't, I mean, I mean, people are depressed and kind of pitiful and woe is me and, and negative, right? I mean, they're not attracting the people that they would want to be attracting or you're actually turning friends or family or potential partners away. And so it's kind of choose happiness and be, I mean, it's, it's, it's financially independent, but it's also emotionally independent Yes, and in a good headspace. And, you know, that there were nights when, It'd be a, a weekend and the kids wouldn't be with me. And I would, I would, you know, pop popcorn and have a glass of wine and watch a movie. And I was 100% okay with that. Oh, very much so. I mean, I, I loved it. You know, after a busy week, you know, it's... <laughs> the I, 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 silence sometimes right. just so intoxicating. And so I, I think it's being comfortable. You know, there's a the financial confidence with just being, like we've talked about, just being comfortable in your skin with who you are. You know, I do think after you get divorced, um, some self-reflection is good. Because, again, there are always two sides Internal to the story. And no one's perfect and, and no one's ever going to be perfect. Right? And not being motivated to do that so that you can find another partner, per se, but be, just for your own For your own, right. Life kind of and take, happiness. Right. I think it's part of this, and you know, we didn't touch on this, but it's um, just having personal responsibility. Absolutely. Right. For your actions, whether that's financially or your career or your health health absolutely and so I think the financial confidence is is tied to it's that it's all interconnected isn't it right because you know I was like you and I got to a point where I got into um a different home which I had to rent initially now I own but I, I rented for a number of years due to my foreclosure and got into a, a car that was um more stable that I'd wanted to do and, you know, kind of got these, these foundational elements. I mean, I was so happy. And again, I, you know, I wasn't living the high life, but I was just financially comfortable. I had a little extra. And then, you know, I kind of think when that happens, other things start popping. Absolutely. You're attracting other things. You're attracting other things. You're attracting good karma. And I, I, I think it's it's all part of so financial is important, but again, you know, there are how many people that you know who grow up with this gobs and gobs and gobs of money, and they're still never happy. You know, they're they're substance, you know, abusing substances. They're you know maybe the the families. I mean, it's 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 more than that. So you know, you want to be comfortable. You want to be able to pay your bills. You don't want to be losing your house, but but then it's the internal work. And again, I think just being present in the moment. I mean, look, I have a daughter who's almost 18. I mean, it, it, it's just gone by in a blink. I mean, she's going to be off in college in a few months and an adult. And so, you know, it's, it's, if you're stressed about money, it's this huge black cloud over you and a huge stress. And so, you know, you just need to get to a point where you're comfortable and you're, you're fine and then keep, you know, keep moving forward. Right. Which is what we've been talking about. So how can our listeners learn more about your services? Sure. Well, someone can reach out to me. Um, my email that's out there on my Facebook page and um, website is Paige Langemo, P-A-G-E-L-A-N-G-E-M-O at gmail.com. I have a website. The website is more towards the divorce consulting business as I'm building my other website. Um, I just moved office locations and so things were sort of in transition, but that website is www.pages, P-A-G-E-S, divorceprep.com. And also on Facebook, it is at, at the symbol at pages, divorce prep. Well, it has been wonderful to connect with you 
I am enjoying talking more about this topic of money since my divorce. I'm I'm finding it empowering and I I do see it as my business, my lady business to Absolutely. be talking about my finances and my financial future. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Paige. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Please be sure to follow, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can also follow Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to visit us at divorcedandhappy.net. Paige and I wish everyone listening so much positivity as you make your financial future your lady business. I'm your host, Sadie Marie, and I wish you all such a happy Women's History Month. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Till then, as always, you take good care.